0: Since ancient times, dreams have fascinated and inspired humanity. The surreal imagery, cryptic symbols, and glimpses into our subconscious captured the imaginations of cultures around the world. But what if our nightly journeys could provide more than just mere entertainment? What deep wisdom and self-knowledge could they unveil if we learned their language? Today's guest, Chelsea Turpin and Coxie, has dedicated her life to helping others tap into the power of dreams for self-discovery and healing. Enthralled by the insights from her own dream analysis, Chelsea illuminates the hidden facets of the self, balancing and fostering creative expression. In our conversation today, we delve into the mystical realm of dreams, touch upon concepts like the collective unconscious, and discuss practical ways to interpret dream symbols. The conversation takes a lot of twists and turns. It's not always about dreams, but it's pretty deep. But that being said, whether you aim to decode a perplexing dream, reconnect with your inner child, or deepen self-understanding, this episode will enlighten your perception of the dream world. Join Chelsea and I as we dive into dream symbolism, its meditations, and its psychology. We even dabble into the science of dreams a bit, too. So if you're ready, it's time to make friends with the subconscious in an episode I'm calling Speaking in Dreams, the language of your inner world. Hello, and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you appreciate a few laughs and want to come away with knowledge about subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Dreams have long fascinated and inspired us with their strange imagery and symbolism, but what if dreams could actually serve as a gateway into understanding our innermost subconscious? Our guest today has made it her mission to help people unpack their dreams and harness that window into their psyche for personal growth and transformation. Chelsea terpenning Coxie is a life coach who specializes in dream analysis inspired by the work of Carl Jung. She believes that dreams reveal imbalances and conflicts within ourselves and tap into a universal consciousness. Chelsea incorporates dream interpretation into her coaching practice to help clients map their inner landscape, unlock their full potential, and walk the path to wholeness. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you. That was
0: beautiful. I like that. Yeah, I I tend to just go to websites and then just kind of come up with my own thing. Some people give me stuff, but I don't know. I enjoy it.
1: That's awesome. Perfect. I've right. my bio on my website.
0: <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. I just kind of yeah spun it around a little bit. But, well, again, thank you for being here. I mean, I think the intro kind of covers it, but we're getting into the topic of dreams and, and analysis of dreams. And obviously, that's a fascinating topic. Can you maybe describe how you got into that field?
1: Yeah. Uh, it was through my own personal experiences, uh, analyzing my own dreams and learning how to analyze my symbolism. Um, I mean, I was into Carl Jung a little bit at the time, but I was journaling all my dreams down for a long period of time. And I noticed when I was reading over them that they were really showing a very large picture of what was going on. And it was just like these huge aha moments because I had never thought of myself as so complex on that level before until my dreams really started portraying like, uh, my feminine and masculine side, my inner child, and all of that. So from there, I started then pursuing the space to educate myself more to learn how to create it for other people. And it just evolved a lot from there.
0: Yeah. So did you go to college for psychology and then kind of get into that realm? Or how did you do that?
1: No, I did it uh, on my own. So I, I love self-study. I got it like ADHD. Um, so I tend to do better <laughs> on my own. Yeah. Um, plus psychology kind of, they don't really talk a lot about Carl Jung. Like they only touch it briefly. All and right. uh, Western culture kind of has a certain way that they like to approach things. So it's like a lot of guidelines and red tape and I wanted it to be pretty authentic and yeah. my own original process of it. Um, so I do a lot. of So I go on to like Carl Jung Institute of Chicago and I buy a lot of lectures to keep up with a lot of things that come across the table too. I guess it's a bit odd, but I, do it all myself.
0: No, that's a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it's so. just
1: really good results, though.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and I know I, a
1: lot of people who are psychoanalysts, and they're like, ah, forget what they teach you in college. You're just repeating what your professor's opinion is. And
0: Yeah. That's, so I was like,
1: okay, well, let's just do this organically.
0: Yeah, that's very true, I think. I mean, I, I took a bunch in college, and I, I definitely had an interest in it. But, you know, it's a textbook, and it's just – it's a textbook that's usually probably not updated very well either. Um, there's some old concepts in there, and the, you're right about the West does things very differently, whether it's philosophy or psychology or something like that, than Eastern culture does. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say we're a little more rigid and less. Um, we tend, I the word, be analytical about it, not as much into the um the conscious element of it in the west maybe
1: yeah i always say um when you look at it as like an internal family system which is something I, I do use a lot is the internal family system by uh richard schwartz uh, the book no bad parts awesome huge in dream analysis kind of help you break it down so they were just saying oh man my brain just adhd um
0: you can go anywhere you want
1: I know. Sorry. What were
0: you saying so I can? Yeah. So that's why I usually say, I say in the beginning that if you enjoy meandering conversation, but you didn't hear that part. But um, I was talking about how we're a little more rigid in the West and a little less into following, I guess, our subconscious. Or I guess intuition is what I'm trying to say.
1: It's because uh, the Western culture tends to be on a like, mass scale of the internal family system. We are like these egotistical managers. Um, we love the analytical. We love anything that's like factual, right? And I don't think when they, when you are studying like psychology and stuff, they're not really talking about anything metaphysics or spiritual and they're not bringing up the soul. Right. So, like, it's always mind and body, but there's no mind, body, and soul. You'd find that, like, in religion. And, like, I've noticed that because we do that in the Western culture, our belief systems tend to not agree with our analytical side. But we'll make room for it and allow it because we you know, we have to have something. But right. when you get into the soul part, it gets very different. So that's why I like Carl Jung instead of Freud, because it really allows room for metaphysics and spiritual experiences and to dive into that aspect, too.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think that's a good yeah. distinction. I'm sorry I cut you off there. But.
1: No, you're fine. That um, was
0: basically. Well, you know, I think... So the word metaphysics is an interesting word to use, especially when we're talking about Western culture, because I think it scares them, even though I think it's very misunderstood what that is. It's just kind of asking really big questions that might be difficult for science to kind of figure out. But it's very important, yeah. I think, to science as well. You know, that's where I think there's a distinction to it. Yeah,
1: science is trying to, like, explore certain things, like even with... a. Uh quantum physics maybe not right. quantum physics at the core but i know that to now and today we see a lot of people talking about quantum living or what is this idea of like these large scale of the science part but i love it because you know like yeah i always use the word metaphysics but at the end of the day like carl Jung talks about how we have our individual personal symbolism or our, our conscious subconscious and then there is the mass collective and that we're able to tap into these things but like i think when it comes down to metaphysics, it's never black and white and everyone has their own experiences or perception of reality of it. Even if they're experiencing the same moment of seeing odd or paranormal. Right. Right. But to bring it down to an analytical part of our brain or the ego part of our brain or conscious aspects, you know, like there is a part of our brain that likes to have the facts and it's, it gets very weird. So that's why I'm like metaphysics is never black and white. It's very colorful and it, to each of the viewers' perception. So I think maybe that's probably one reason why they don't embrace it so much in Western culture. Um, Because, you know, how would you teach that as a fact or something that has, like, the meat to it on that part?
0: Well, that's that's true. I I wish Western culture had a little bit of that, though, because I think this is, like, getting off topic. But you know the school system and ah, it's still a good one. yeah the school system kind of i always thought school should teach you how to think for yourself maybe think outside the box um and how to how to fend for yourself we kind of don't do that we just it's kind of what you're talking about there's just a book there and we got to memorize whatever's in there and there's no room there's no wiggle room yeah for uh trying to go against established concepts.
1: Yeah. And I always jokingly say like insurance companies are not going to cover metaphysics in a therapy session or, (laughs) you know, there's like certain rules and guidelines that when you are certified or you're in the space where you're trying to go along with the financial and the rules of like psychology or therapy, your therapist, like, you know, if you were to try to explain that you're having a metaphysical experience, they're just going to call you crazy, um, yeah. or say it's hallucination, or all these things, and they're going to make you feel like you have a mental health issue. Versus maybe what you're experiencing is actually metaphysical, and then that would lead to a totally different lane of work. Then, so right, right. So, so I always often say that people, when they're talking with me and they're having a metaphysical experience. I I create the space where they can openly talk about it and explore it without judgment or shame, be like, let them have their own perception of it. But you know, they're not going to talk to the therapist about that.
0: Right. So what would (laughs) you call kind of a
1: different space?
0: Yeah. What would you call in dreams, a metaphysical experience?
1: Uh, so a popular one would have like a past loved one who comes to visit you Mm. or, you know, like a grandparent or an or uncle or a past friend or someone um, that would be common, and it, you know, in dreams too. But people also experience like a paranormal thing like that during the day too. So it yeah. gets interesting. But yeah, our dreams definitely are a space that tends to have a lot more of that action. So I mean, that's just one example, but yeah, you know, it gets it gets a very large lane when we explore the dreams with metaphysics. So I always break dreams down into two categories I'm, I call it one metaphorical, which would be like your internal family system, your emotional processing of the daily experiences and all of that. Right? right. But then there's these other types of dreams where you're experiencing something beyond yourself. If it be archetypes or, you know, archetypes Carl Jung will explain with entities or spirits of their own. Right. Um, or they, you know, you have angels and demons you've got you know past loved ones uh guides there's uh, there's a lot going on but you right. tend to kind of if you have a good awareness in your dreamland you you kind of know what is you and what's not sometimes and you're like oh that was that was a weird dream you know i think i was visited by my grandmother or you know something weird happened or yeah you know, this concept of like astral projecting is common too so I think that's becoming more of a popular term in our society in the last, like, decade.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the last few years, though, I, there is kind of a change in our society a little bit. I don't know if it's, um, you know, maybe COVID helped that a little bit, because people got to sit and think for for a few years about you're stuff.
1: Overworking, like, yeah. a robot on a daily routine where you're almost on autopilot. Right. So you're, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that was a big sea change. So I, I did see, like, something... Something changed with that, as far as like what you're talking about. You know, it wasn't just go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. It, it made you realize that there was more to life than what you were doing.
1: When you do the same thing all the time, you're on autopilot. You're not really. Your brain gets used to that too. Even your subconsciousness will right. be on autopilot. So uh, it's good to like daydream and create and mm. play and have joy. And when you're doing things that you love it relaxes the system more and you it's different it, it kind of loosens it up a bit
0: yeah you know what i was wondering because you're talking about uh young didn't he, did, i don't know if i'm mixing this up but didn't he talk about a collective unconscious Wasn't yeah he ta-
1: collective or,
0: can you explain think, that a little bit
1: so it's the idea that we're all kind of like connected, which I know a lot of people say, Oh, we're all connected, but right. we actually share a, so as society, yeah, we have a lot of like mass collective symbolism and stuff or archetypes. And we, you know, we see it in our society, like it be popular TV characters or, you know, something that everyone's familiar with that tends to turn into a mass collective. But when, so how I explain it, I guess with dreams is, uh, you're you in your head, you are your own, individual consciousness but if you imagine like your pineal gland and as an antenna or even i always say a front door uh you can walk in and out of the front door so when you step out of your individual consciousness you experience this whole universal consciousness and uh it can get a kind of trippy but carl Jung was talking about it but i think it's more current day young again yeah. To expand on it a lot more. And it gets. So I like to keep up with current studies too on it, and it gets really interesting. So, like, that's the best I could explain it. It's, you know, you have several layers of consciousness, and you have yours, and then there's the mass collective, and we're all kind of energetically existing together in that space if we realize it or not.
0: Yeah. I can see that though, because there is you know, there's so many intangible things, even feelings to me are very intangible. I know they'll try to explain them away. uh, You know, as some kind of chemical reaction or something like that. But, you know, for every person who experiences love, it's different for that person. And it's, it's not something you could just grab. It's something that's just there. Right. I mean, and I think people feed off of each other. And I think that might be part of that collective unconscious, right? I mean, we we all yeah, feed like off trends
1: and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, it's something you really can't totally explain, but it's it's there. And then, like you know, we were talking about quantum physics and all that kind of stuff, and you can get into really weird aspects with that. But there's definitely something there. Um, you know, as far as tying it back to to dream work, when we're focusing on dreams and we're trying to work stuff out and that's kind of, you know, put out into the collective. How does that work for you? Like, how do you help somebody interpret their dreams? Cause I think it's much more individualistic than somebody who grabs a, you know, a new age book that talks about dream interpretations. Like, you know, water means this, or this means that because the symbolism would be different for everyone involved. I would think, I mean, I would assume that if me and you had similar dreams, the symbolism would uh, represent something different to each of us.
1: Exactly. Um, I do not own a dream interpretation book. That's good. Sometimes it's nice to maybe try to grab some ideas. But I always say the meanings are within the context. And I don't right. just interpret one dream. I interpret a large amount of dreams that kind of flow together like tiny puzzle pieces. Yeah, it depends on the relationship you have with whatever that symbol is is so like if you're afraid of water um that could be like a negative thing or like a fear related thing right but if you love water and you find it healing it could be a positive thing Mm -hmm. same with like spiders even um where like common things that come in your dreams I've had people say, you know, they have a dream, they love spiders. So when they see a spider in a dream, they feel better or more comfortable about it. And then I have people be the same with, you know, just all types of stuff. So it really is, what is your emotional connection? So when I do dream analysis with people, like in my sessions, I'm really getting to know them and I'm learning their personal symbolism and how it applies to them so it's not a black and white thing either uh each person is different and usually it f- has an energy of flow to it where it uh you can pick it up and sometimes it's not always about the details but it's yeah. the flow of it too it's hard to explain but like uh no, I get that. I don't know, and I've noticed as I getting as I get better at it, it's kind of like turned into a second language. So, you know, if I could talk to a complete stranger about their dream and I'll be like, "Oh, it sounds like blah blah blah," or it could be this, and I'll give them a couple ideas of what it could mean and see what would you know like resonate with them. It's usually pretty accurate, but and like the cool thing with symbolism is that it always kind of evolves too. So, like what it means to you the morning that morning you have it can mean something deeper and meaning six months from then when you, mm. if you write it down or if you remember it, if it's significant, and they usually, so it's the way the symbolism evolves too. But um, yeah, each person has their own relationship with each symbolic aspect and our subconsciousness will use whatever material it can. So it's what you put in, you know, you're feeding into the system and it will use whatever it needs to, to get the point across. Yeah. So they usually has patterns and I track a lot of patterns in the dreams so, like, say if you're dreaming about your dual, dualistic, your yin and yang, your feminine and masculine side, right? And, like, uh, your feminine or your masculine will tend to have similar traits. Even though it might look different in the dreams, you'll notice maybe a color theme that's, you know, similar. And be like, oh, well, there was red or there was blue. And I always see those colors when that comes around. Or your inner child tends to take you back uh, to something familiar from childhood, but yeah, it gets really
0: cool. The masculine and feminine. Can you get into that a little bit? Because I think people, maybe even including myself, will get confused by that. As far as what that means. I know it means different than what people usually take it on the surface.
1: Yeah. So it's the idea that like, um, so like the internal family system talks about this, but Eastern culture does too. So I'll go with just Eastern culture because it's, popular uh, for most people would understand but um it's like your yin and yang your internal um that we always have our inner child we have our feminine nature even if you're masculine you still have a feminine nature and it's usually like your creativity or mm. something that's more intuitional um they tend to have the similar characteristic traits the masculine parts of us tend to be analytical they have more action to their you know to it um They want to provide. So, um, we have both within us, but the idea is to have them balanced. Mm. So sometimes people will like be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a female, so I'm not going to embrace any masculinity within myself, which, you know, would be an imbalance and vice versa. So it's, you know, unions talk about it a lot and how it's important to really balance out the duality of ourselves. Right. Um, so, it's not always like an angel and a demon type thing. But then we always have like an inner child because, you know, that always tends to have this yeah. authentic aspect of ourselves from childhood that's yes. there. And, you know, so it's not just like these designated roles because even throughout life, um, if it we're going through trauma or if, say, you have someone who's always scolding you or, you know, like if you had a parent. You tend to manifest voice. our parents as internal right. portions too. And you'll hear that voice. Yeah. Uh, and those are parts too. And then like your ego or your consciousness tends to also be its own voice. And in the internal family system, they'll call those like the managers. So like, you know, if you have dreams, that the police are chasing you or something like that, depending on the context, because of course people are afraid of police and have a good reason to be at times. So like that could right. be something of that too. But It could tend to be like your actual ego trying to police the exiled aspects of yourself that's in the subconsciousness or it gets interesting. It's psychoanalyzing yourself into internal pieces. Yeah. Each of them has their own voice or representation symbolically.
0: No, I I think that's that's
1: where the tracking patterns comes in.
0: No. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction because what you're saying is so much deeper than what people tend to usually think about when they think about masculine and feminine energies or especially males will tend to do that. At least some males will get uncomfortable thinking about their feminine side. Um,
1: Yeah. Like surface level. Yes, exactly. No, no. So then it would be like, okay, well maybe you're a bit of a unhealthy masculine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I agree with you. Balance is so important. And you know, everything for me, when I come back and think about it, it's, it all comes down in life to balance, you know, you know that's a very Buddhist way of looking at it. But I think that's the that's the ultimate goal, you know, is just to have balance and acceptance. And that's part of balance, I think, too. Right. Like accepting that there is pain and that there is suffering, but there's also happiness. And, and I think we kind of push for society today, I think, has a, a great imbalance, especially in the West, um, you know, and you, you can see it now with kids and we're, we keep making jokes about ADHD, but ourselves, but um, the society today, I always say it's like just made for ADHD, right? I mean, there's just an overload of information out there. It's very addicting with the phones and with everything. And I do it all the time. And it's it's a great tool to have all that stuff, but there has to be some kind of balance to it. Right?
1: The opposite. I think, uh, I always say we live in an ecosystem.
0: because yeah.
1: after I learned the internal family system and looking at it on a very large scale of a planet, I'm like, well, then Western culture is definitely the ego system or the managers. Yeah. Uh, we want the analytics, the facts, yeah. um, which is fine. But at the end of the day, you can't just be that you also need imagination and creation. And, um, cause I've yeah, this at the end of the day, So like, this is kind of like an agnostic idea. I think i read, but they were trying to break down like this idea of the Trinity. Right. And it's the idea that you have your creator would be the masculine and the feminine is the imagination, but you cannot create anything without the imagination. So you need both to have matter or something physically created. So it, it's like this recipe to create something, to do something, to manifest something, to take it from an imaginative, take action which would be the masculine to be taking the action on the imagination and creating something physical. And I do think that we are kind of like destroying our inner child by being too action-based
0: mm. because there's
1: not enough joy or playfulness. So it, it all really does need its balance. It can't just be strictly one. You have, we're complicated beings. There's a lot right. going on. So Very
0: like complicated. you need
1: all of that really to
0: so like, would, we'll analyze everything. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I could think it to death. Um, when you talk about, <laughs> so talking about dreams, as do you feel like then that's what dreams are trying to tell you? They're trying to give you some kind of internal balance.
1: Yeah, a lot of the times. So, I mean, you are still like, currently for me, I go through, I'm going just through a lot of life changes. So like my dreams currently are a lot of processing, just what's going on in my emotions, <laughs> which is normal too. I have a lot of clients when they're coming to me, they're definitely working on those internal parts and wanting it to come to the surface or have a space to come to the surface and to stop exiling themselves, which is authentic to those parts are authentic. And sometimes they get hurt in trauma or through bad experiences or people telling us, you know, don't be like that, blah, blah, blah. And after a while it becomes an internal issue because at the end of the day, it still exists within us. It's not going anywhere. So when we could shove it under the rug as far as we want, but it's it still exists it's there.
0: Well, that, that goes back to your inner child. When you said that, it makes me think a lot of us, you know, unless there was something traumatic when you're older, but a lot of us are just still dealing with some self-defense mechanism we developed when we were just children because we couldn't understand the world, right? And that's the protectionist in us. So we, we protect ourselves with certain types of actions whether they're good or bad but they usually i'd say most of them result from childhood and that's yeah.
1: there's Life a difference patterns.
0: in you know there's a difference in children children are much more open too um i recently put together i did a solo episode and it was on reincarnation and then the science of it and it was about dr ian stevenson and he would interview the he had like twenty five hundred cases where he interviewed these these children and he tended to interview them from two to five and he said after that their memories kind of just were gone it was like the world imprinted on them and they were they just lost it by then but he i've
1: heard of these studies they were really cool
0: oh yeah they're crazy and they're very interesting because he really came at it from such a scientific lens you know um it was very hard to discredit him. Plus, he just gave away all the information he had, and he's like, "Please look at it and discredit this is the it." The data, like, yeah, oh yeah, this sometimes
1: is, the data speaks for itself. That's how I feel about dream analysis. Sometimes I'm like, ah, uh, you know, gathering data, and it's all right there, like, right? And uh, it gets interesting. You like, can't deny
0: it. <laughs> well, it's very weird. So I've read the scientific interpretation of dreams, and they have they still do say they don't have a lot of data on it but they were talking about it's trying to um, imprint your memories, which I don't totally get because a lot of my dreams don't have anything to do with what happened to me during that time period. Uh, Maybe my feelings are there or in there somewhere, you know, if it's stressful or a time of happiness or something like that. But I could definitely see what you're talking about. Again, going back to that inner child, because I feel like, there's an innocence or something different in your dreams than in reality. It's like you're more open. You don't have the guard on as much in your dreams. You know what I mean? There's not that There's not that thing that tries to cut it off or doesn't want to feel that or doesn't want to think that or just shoves it down somewhere. It's kind of something that comes out. Because I think dreams are, you know, you're talking about, People writing them down and stuff. I think the feeling of a dream is almost more important than what the dream is.
1: Yeah, because, like, uh, the symbolism can be really weird and make no sense. Mm. But when you're going off of, like, your feeling and you're pinpointing just certain key things that would stand out, you're like, okay, now it makes sense. Like if you ever dream of like going through getting lost in a mansion or maybe the grocery store or the airport or uh, getting lost in a city, there's this idea of progressing through. I always notice it tends to represent like as an example, like going through life and how you feel going through life really. Cause it's just the feeling of confusion or loss. So like, yeah, feelings are a huge one. And if. You know, like I say, when you're journaling your dreams, if that's something you want to do, definitely write how you feel about it. Take as many notes as you want. You can't say, you you cannot say too much about it. The more you give in the context of it, the better and easier it is to understand it. It just depends. Like, you know, some people have like just really weird symbolism that's goofy, you know, and they're so caught up in the goofiness of it, they're missing the message. (laughs)
0: yeah i could i could see that yeah i could think of some that i've had i've had some really bizarre ones but i've also had dreams where i will wake up and i'll be like that was that person you know whether it's somebody in my family or something but it didn't look like them but it was them i guess that's why i talk about the feeling of it because that's what that person represented to me but they don't look anything like the person i know and I don't know where that comes from. I don't really understand the symbolism of it, but I know the feeling of it.
1: Yeah. And at that point I would say definitely go off the feeling of it because I mean, usually, I mean, we do know what they look like and our subconsciousness has got a, almost a better memory than our conscious aspects. So mm. I always say the subconscious is like a file cabinet and it, it can remember things way better and it catches way more details even than our conscious part ever could. Um, but you know, and I don't know the context of the dreams or whatever, but there's it could be something to that or there couldn't that's why i said try not to overstress over the details of the symbolism so much unless you recognize a pattern or a repeated pattern or something and then it's like oh i'm starting to catch on a little bit but no feelings definitely do a lot because you kind of know what resonates with you or what's not and at the end of the day it is like this feeling based recognition right
0: I'm not trying to get, like, a free reading here, but if I go into a lot of my own, um, a lot of them, I I always have the feeling of loss of control in the dreams with whatever I'm doing. A lot of it. Like, I I don't remember a ton of my dreams all the time, and I don't write them down, so that's part of it, too, because they're pretty much gone after after a little while, if you do, unless they just really leave a mark on you. But, you know, I've had very interesting dreams where it's like... Like, one, I was playing basketball and dri- dribbling the ball, and I just can't dribble it. It's just going everywhere. Or there was one that really left a mark on me when I was a kid. And uh, it's bizarre. It's definitely really bizarre because it's, uh, it was... Go for it, sure. Yeah. I remember I was somewhere outside, and I was like, all my stuffed animals from when I was a kid were alive. And then somebody pulled up in a car. And the guy who walked out was me, and then he attacked me, and then I woke up and I—I I mean, like I jumped up. Weird, yeah.
1: That is interesting. Wait, was it an adult version of you or
0: uh, probably were you? A, a teenager. I was probably a teenager. I was past. I was past stuffed animals. Let's put it that way. I just remember they were in it the, and they were alive.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Maybe it's that's an like inner a kid, child. Inner child playlist. thing. Sounds like an inner child thing. Maybe it's attacking you. Yeah, <laughs> a
0: struggle with the, you know, I could see that some kind you of struggle.
1: Know, how often as a child and throughout your life have you heard people tell you to grow up, you know? Yeah. And there's almost a shame to come off childish or ha- hold on to some of those
0: yeah. qualities
1: of a child, of your childhood. So maybe it had something to do with that a little bit. That's really interesting, though, with the stuffed animals. You <laughs> beat yourself up.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've ever told that one because it was just so ridiculous. Yeah. No, uh-huh. it
1: makes sense, though, really. And it is like that's an internal family system dream. Right. And at least you were you and you knew it was you beating yourself yeah. up. Sometimes it this it doesn't even people don't even occur that they're the ones that are attacking themselves. in that right. sense.
0: And it's like, oh, that's a
1: what I call an internal family system dream. At that. Point. Yeah. Well, I think,
0: I mean, you could get into, I guess, the shadow work and stuff like that, right? I mean, you're talking about dealing with duality in probably your dreams, I would assume. And shadow work's an interesting one. I don't know if everyone totally gets what that is.
1: It's used a lot. But it's just the idea of exploring. For me, I view it as exploring your subconsciousness. and There's always a lot of healing and like patterns and experiences in this life. It's interesting because your reincarnation, even it, I have seen like past life's dreams come up, mm-hmm. but you don't always know it's a past life dream right away until you, they really, start digging deeper and then you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, so yeah, I have a workshop coming up over in that like October 14th where we're doing like the Akashic records with, Oh, okay. uh, that's cool. Yeah. One of my shamanic healing practitioner friends does a lot of Akashic records and soul healing stuff. And, um, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, I have seen it in my, in my experiences, but I've also seen it come up in the sessions, maybe not too heavily, but it's still there. And then you experience like the mass collective, which, you know, we've got a lot of archetypes going on. So like people even have dreams of like modern day archetypes, so maybe like Freddy Krueger or Pennywise. And my five-year-old son battles Pennywise all the time.
0: Like, it. All the time.
1: Yeah. I had to teach. I'm trying to teach him on to get black.
0: It was weird. I had one when I was, um. Like five or six, I used to always see somebody trying to break into the house. But I, you know, I, I had a very active imagination too as a kid. So I do remember thinking that happened once, but it was, it was like, you know, what I it was after I watched, like my dad was watching a horror movie, but it was funny. It was nothing to do with the horror movie. You know, that didn't happen because it, it was like, it was like Salem's Lot or something. That was about vampires. I just had this dream after that about somebody trying to always break into the house.
1: Yeah, it's scary. And I think fear does a lot in dreams. So, like, nightmares definitely hold a lot of, like, insecurities and fear. But I've seen it go in, like, different directions. Like, I have one client. He's been dealing with Freddy Krueger since he was, like, seven. Almost. He's, like, late 30s now. And it developed into, like, shadow people And other things, and like sleep paralysis, where his eyes are open and he sees like weird things walking around. It gets very crazy on the metaphysical part, but it's like I've had that. Yeah, but it's yeah. See, so it starts out with this, but it started when he was a child because his dad had him watch Freddy Krueger, and he thought it was funny when he was little, but scared him. And like there were times as a kid, he thought he actually felt Freddy Krueger grab his leg from under the bed while he was trying to go crawl into bed and stuff, and it, it created a physical fear where it you know, it's hard to say because like children do have very active imaginations. That's why I'm like, you should not mess with a child's imagination because it really gets out there. And, but it seems that it's like the metaphysical side, it does kind of manifest some really weird stuff. Uh, And sleep paralysis is really interesting. Not all sleep paralysis because some people are struggling breathing and that would cause like sleep paralysis or getting stuck in the in-between. So I understand that like, from a, like, a scientific perspective or the different sleeping realm, like the, you got like your REM and your different phases, right? Yeah. So like you can get kind of caught up in that. Then yeah, you got people good. who are like seeing demons though too. And I'm like, that's different. So it's, it's yeah. all categorized as a sleep paralysis. I always get into more detail of the experience first.
0: So is that what that is scientifically? Like you're waking up from REM sleep or like, in the middle of it?
1: Yeah. Like apparently like you're consciously waking up, but your body's still asleep type thing. But then I know people who've said, you know, they have a hard time sleeping. Maybe sleep apnea, I think it's called.
0: Oh, um, yeah, that's a different.
1: And that's a little different. Yeah, that's what you're talking like,
0: about with breathing. That's a
1: breathing yeah. issue. Yeah. So I'm like, there's different things, but they're also categorized as sleep paralysis. But like some people don't have any medical issues. It's they they're, and they feel like they're actually being choked. And then they open their eyes and they see something physically in their room. And I'm like, well, that's a little different. Yes.
0: I think I've had it twice in my life and it both times it was like, I saw a ghost and I just couldn't move. But then I like yeah. woke up and, but it's so jarring because it's still your room and you sit there and you question, and you're like, is that like, did I see something or did I? Yeah. yeah or Cause are you
1: still sleeping. Yeah. Or?
0: It's just, it's so weird. It's really jarring to happen, I but had, it's, 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 yeah, it's happened to me twice. And I was like, please don't ever happen again. That was ridiculous. I have only
1: had it happen once, but yeah. I was already kind of on like a, sp- the spiritual journey and I was already into my dreams. So like I've connected with my guides, which mm-hmm. I know you we have an internal guide, but I have this something and it's not all the time, but I have like this experience where like something outside of myself is helping me like a guide. And um so like I was out of a body experience. And people talk about sleep paralysis a lot with astral projection or coming that mm-hmm. being out of body. So it's like this weird coming back in type thing, which I know is far out there maybe for some listeners but like my experience with it was i clearly remember like, aimlessly floating on my bedroom ceiling and i was just like floating i remember looking down at my body and i saw something that was trying to crawl through my bedroom window like this big bug that was bigger than me and i closed the bedroom window and then i remember going back into my body and the moment i went back into my body i was i felt the sleep paralysis and then um i remember just being like Hey, guides, help me out here. (laughs) What do I do? And like, I remember hearing him say, Hey, it'll take a second. You'll feel a release. And then I did. So it was kind of weird. That's where the metaphysics kind of gets, comes into play. Right. There's weird stuff going on in sleep. Um, So another good study would be, like, Rick Strassman. He talks about the pineal gland a lot, and he did the DMT studies, the spirit molecule one, back in, like, the 70s. So I correlate a lot of his information back with some of this stuff, too. And that's why I'm like, no, the pineal gland is, like, a front door. There's a lot going on. So
0: um, that's how
1: I... I take it back scientifically. I'm like, no, there's something going on with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm kind of trying to look for my notes here because when I did, when we were talking about that reincarnation episode, there was a study that was done because the thing is they don't really understand where memory comes from or where it rests in the brain. Because when they study the brain and you talk about memory, it's like, or consciousness. I'm sorry, they don't really know where consciousness comes from, right? Yeah. Memory, it's different. Uh, consciousness, they don't know where it comes from because when they study the brain, different parts of the brain light up. They don't know why that part of the brain lights up, but it's not always the same. And it basically, he said that there's a part of the brain that almost acts It almost acts like a router would, right? Like so, it picks up like signals.
1: Is it the pain? I always see. Okay. Yeah, I always say it's like an antenna. Is what Rick Strassman said. It's like an antenna that can change channels. Or and schizophrenics tend to have a more active pineal
0: clay. Okay.
1: It was really. Int- I love these studies. They're fun.
0: Yeah, the studies are like <laughs> insane. But yeah, so they that shut was really him
1: down. It got so wild, they shut him down, and oh, the really? government wouldn't fund it anymore because it they could not control where it was going to go or how it affects society. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's part of the problem too, though. Like the studies are so you know obviously you have to be funded for it and you know we're talking about uh ian stevenson you know he he got such a large amount of money from the uh the guy who created xerox when he died and he donated him like a million dollars at the time which was which was a ton of money except you have to use this to research i guess you would call it like paranormal studies and a lot of people can't get that kind of funding for that kind of stuff.
1: In the government.
0: Well, yeah. Right. I mean, well, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know it's they, different now. But I know in the it? 70s. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's a lot because, like, that information, they can't control the information at a certain point and how it would affect people and what they would do with that. But I've noticed, like, that's why I always say, like, the pineal gland is an antenna, or I call it a front door because, like, in dreams, kind of feels like a front
0: door. A right. Bit.
1: Like, if you don't realize you have a door, you know, going can be vulnerable. So it's, I think it's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it, it does. And, and that was an interesting way to put it for me, because like I was talking about before, I didn't really understand, um, you know, feelings and stuff like that. There's just things that are so intangible or the feeling of somebody staring at you. Yeah. You know how you could feel that? Like, even across yeah. the room, you're like and you, you make eye contact with someone and they, they look away and it's like well, what you know? <laughs> what does that yeah you know so it's, it that stuff is so interesting and you know or just it's very on a different level it's like you know i look at the universe and it's very hard for me to discredit anything because you know when you look at the actual universe it's it's huge. So like, you know, you look at the cosmos, I mean, that's the study of the big when you get into the quantum, then you're talking about the study of the small things and things react so differently at that quantum level. You know, when you talk about the quantum tunneling and you get into all these different aspects that just, like you said, it kind of opens the world up a little bit more. So until they're ready to let some of that stuff out, they might know a little bit more about what's going on with it, but it just might not be out there now.
1: Well, the study you're talking about, I've heard of, like, the results of it. But, yeah, they were saying, like, the soul or consciousness would come from the pineal gland, which is, like, this little tiny acorn-type thing in our brain. Right. You see it in, like, cultures all around the world. So it seems like they a lot of, some cultures already kind of knew that or assumed it. Yeah, like, the pineal gland has always kind of been symbolically represented in a lot of different ways. So it's, I don't know, maybe as Western culture, we just had to factually prove it.
0: Yeah, well, I I think that's a big <laughs> thing, right? I mean,
1: it's important. Yeah, it's I, good to know that. I I always say that to feed both wolves. If if your subconscious is a wolf and your consciousness is a wolf, feed them
0: both. It's true. I yeah. see it, especially when I meet very intelligent people who have like spirituality to them. Because sometimes it feels like maybe just because of the way they were taught in life that they have to have some kind of explanation to be that way right i mean it's you know, everybody talks about well energy never dies it goes which is all very true but it always sounds like to me that it's like no i, I i'm not crazy and i don't just be- <laughs> believe in this for like whatever reason this is why it's like an explanation i think that is a very western culture thing whereas you know eastern culture i mean a lot of the stuff we're even talking about i mean You know, if you went to India or these places and you talked about past lives or something like that, they wouldn't look at you twice. They wouldn't think about it. It's just, it's, it's inbred in that culture a little bit.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, um, that's why we say it's like, I like some people I've noticed, like they just jump into their intuition naturally and they'll trust it. Um, for me, I was not that type. I like analytics. I like learning, um, So the information had to lead and I didn't want to cover gaps or make those weird leaps. So like now when I do dream analysis, it's, you know, I'd say, sometimes I say I work with egos Mm -hmm. um, because it's an idea of taking your ego, your conscious state and trying to soothe it into understanding all the weird woo woo, weird paranormal aspects of ourselves, but they both exist. That's why I'm like, no, feed both wolves. Don't just sit here and embrace the unknown. Understand the unknown. It is its own journey, and it's really cool. And we're in a good space of time, I think, even as a Western culture, where there's so much information and studies <laughs> going on, where you really can kind of, like, just gather this information and connect a lot of dots. And, like, you can explain it like a mathematical equation almost. Or, yeah. Like, this is how it works. and. You know, and this is what you get as the end result. So, like, I personally love all of that. Like, I will never stop studying or learning or getting into the weird, cool shit. But yeah. I like to understand it really well and try to verbalize it so other people could try to understand it. Sometimes I do better at it now. But, like, I've had clients where my first session and they're like, holy crap that was insanely cool how do you know all that stuff and i'm like i don't know i feel like a google sometimes
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: um, or like i read books and stuff <laughs>
0: yeah no i i agree with you and i think it's it's always changing like you're talking about before, before we started you know big history person and man i learn it's it never stops though like you just see a new perspective when you read something else or find a new book and it's like it's like, geez, I never thought of it that way. And I thought I thought about this pretty deeply, but I guess I missed something. Um, there's more. <laughs> there's always more, right? And it's well, and, and we talk about science here a little bit too. And it's like, you know, science is just like always evolving. I had somebody on, and he was he's a physical chemist. Basically, you study um, chemical reactions, which which sounds cool when you say it that way. But, um, (laughs) but we were talking about that too. It's like, you know, at the time, it doesn't mean you're wrong. You know, it's just that things evolve, you know, more as you go on. And it's the same thing with, you know, probably everything.
1: It's true. Yeah. Um, that's why it's like people who act like they know everything and that's it and this is how it is. I'm like, you're not even leaving room for evolution
0: yeah the
1: evolution of the information, so I always say leave some room for for it to evolve,
0: yeah, I guess that's where that balance we were talking about comes in. I think about the smart i guess I think about intelligent people and how they tend to overthink while I think it's called the dunning Kruger effect, where the smart people are full of doubt, and then the people who aren't as smart will say are not full of doubt. They're actually confident. Yeah. But anyway, that's where I talk about there's got to be some kind of balance, right? It's like you don't know everything. And that's okay. You shouldn't know everything. But it's also tough because today, you know, you have so much information at your fingertips. You don't know if it's right or wrong, but I think it's hard for them to not have the answer right in front of them.
1: Yeah this especially so like uh this because yeah because in my book i know it's like creative expressions but like the first chapter was confusion and yeah. like for me i was doing a lot of self-study and just trying to just understand why i exist what is going on you know and it was like basic things like that it was you know what's truth and you know there's so much information everywhere that at one point i remember saying to myself she me because it's just making it worse there's so much information and none of it's really making sense and after a while you just have to start taking what resonates start connecting dots, and it does eventually the the clarity does come about and then when you start to understand some of the basic foundation and you have that foundation Mm -hmm. then you can add more information to that that will just be like light bulb moments and it all does universally connect to itself it's just trying to figure out you have to sift through a lot of Crap! First, really, and it is like jumbled up information just everywhere. Yeah, everyone will tell you what they think, you know, and then you have to like you, and then you have this internal battle of like what your belief system is, what you grew up knowing, and sometimes you realize you're like, okay, you know, you have to really just wipe all that off the slate. And so I always said at one point I was like, I had to like tear up my foundation on all of that, yeah, start new and start new, and that was like the hardest part was tearing down my foundation and starting new with it all because like i was doing dream analysis myself at that point too and i was like god there's just so much going on i was like what is really going on here and not having a foundation is kind of very insecure feeling, So yeah. you have to get comfortable just knowing that you don't know anything and here we go
0: <laughs> yeah no that's totally true and especially when you get to a point where well we were talking about it before right you live in People were living on autopilot, and so the it's almost like your brain just wants to do the safe thing and the normal thing, and the neural pathways are already set. And that's why they talk about psychedelics now and, and ways to to reshape the brain because those neural pathways are very difficult to to change once they're grooved, right? And yeah. I think what you're talking about, anyway, with tearing down the foundation, made me think of that um, where. The effort it, there's there's a lot of fear in that because the effort to that it takes place to to change that is is enormous.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a lot. yeah, it's huge. And like one book I read, which I mean, it helped me like with my mental health and like concepts of this too, was like Joe Dispenza and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm-hmm. And he explains how like you're subconsciously programming yourself, and when you do the same habits every day or the same thing every day, you are on autopilot and then mm. trying to go off of it. So like, for me, I was like, that was a big one. Um, he also gets into like the mental health thing of like how it's not always a chemical reaction or how your thoughts control, like the way your body and everything feels. So like, say if you deal with depression and you're in these habits, of living in, in that, those thoughts all the time, how it affects your body and all that. Uh, it just really hit home for me, but it, I have to say, even like from that perspective, like not honestly being on autopilot but trying to like control depression in the past Mm -hmm. like it took like a year to even do that like so like you could sit here and say oh i want to break a physical habit that'll take 30 days no breaking a subconscious habit like uh, that's that embedded into the system takes a lot longer
0: (laughs) yeah well you know they're not always easy no and, and even with depression or something like that sometimes you know it's easier to deal with what you know like if you know sadness you know sadness and sometimes it's scary to move past that right i mean um to share an antidote i mean i told you beforehand you know my mother passed away i mean i was i it was really tough for me um you know whether there was things that just it, i just wasn't ready for that and that the way it went down but i remember being you know in a in a very bad state and depressed, I could get through my days, and I can, I could do everything on autopilot, like you're talking about, because it was just easy. But you know, um, it was work. I remember, uh, you know, and first of all, they were put, they were trying to put me on like SSRIs and all kinds of stuff, and that I just didn't like. The, the, it numbed me more than anything, and it just i remember just not caring maybe it helped me at that point i don't know but i didn't like the feeling of it but i remember just telling myself like you have to like just try you have to try to move forward and i remember doing like anything i was trying like um you know like i tried to like from when i was a kid i went to catholic school so i was like all right let me see if religion helps and it did no offense to anybody, but it didn't help me. Um, and, uh, you know, I started reading what really helped is that I started getting into like philosophy again. And, um, I started reading all the, all the work of like the existentialists and stuff like that. And I was at a place where I felt like what was the meaning of it all. And it just, something clicked in me. It took a long time to get there. And it took a lot of like. I keep. I kept going back to it because something called to me, and and the idea that you know, God. I feel like we got way off of dreams, but I'm sorry. But
1: the, I'm following. I like this yeah, conversation. No. <laughs> uh,
0: the the thing with existentialism that I loved was that it did speak to that right. So it's saying like maybe we're an accident and it's all pointless. But the beauty of that is you get to create the meaning of your life, you know? And that's that essence. What was it? It's no existence precedes essence, meaning that you existed and then you had to find your essence at that point. Right. You had to find your meaning. And I, I don't know. It just spoke to me. It took a long time to get there, but that helped me get there for whatever reason. And, you know, it's all that stuff is always a work in progress. And I think, yeah, sometimes, you just have to try, you have to make a decision that I'm going to try to move forward. I have no clue how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to try. And, yes. you know, that's how it worked for me. So, it's
1: beautiful. Uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day, some things do challenge us on a human mm-hmm. level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, you know, and uh, it's important no matter what it is. I know grief is hard, and, you know, and it's, you know, I'm not saying it's always a good thing, something bad happened. So you would reach that point, but, we tend to have to hit some deep act. Like it won't resonate with us until we feel it really. Right. And it's, yeah. It was like, yeah, when I was going through depression and stuff, um, you know, I was not connecting with myself on a soul level, but mm-hmm. like people kept saying, Oh, you know, like talking about it from a mind and body medical mental health aspect. And I was like, none of that makes sense to me. At all. I like I, none of that resonated. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I was like, it was a soul thing. and um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I agree with you. It was. Yeah. I think there's something internal that has to pick you up. You know, obviously there are cases where people might have chemical imbalances. That's a totally different thing. Or, you know, we talk about ADHD. There's medications for stuff like that. But what you're saying is, yeah, a lot of people come at it from that point of view it's like well you're you're depressed why don't you they talk about the the health aspect the physical aspect of it and emptiness to me or whatever you want to call it is very very different than something physical yeah it's just it there when we're talking about feeling it's just very different to me and that's yeah i mean that's a that's a tough thing to um to overcome, which, you know, it, it, I, I did want to bring up your book a little bit because I, I told you I didn't get to finish it because I'm reading like a hundred in a row right now. But you did say some things that really hit me, it like where I, I have it on Kindle and I had to, to save the note. But you said something in one of the I thought this was incredible. It was when I'm dead, I'm whole. When I'm alive, I'm incomplete. It is a hard realization of life and death. And I was kind of like, that was so profound to me because I was like, holy shit, that's kind of the issue, right? I mean, like, you're, yeah, like, I I don't know. I found that to be such a profound thing to say that I never really thought of it in that sense. Like, of course you'd be incomplete because you don't really know anything. Yeah. Right. I I love that. That really hit me. And it was so, like, to the point and so beautifully said that uh, Yeah, I just wanted to, to put that out there. So I'll definitely put your book in the show notes, too. So
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's a bit of my depression talking uh, about
0: it. Yeah, well. And I
1: embraced it poetically, too. Which it had some very deep lessons and meaning to it. It's a, it was beautiful. I had to romanticize my depression to understand it and really get the humanity out of myself.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, one of the best things you could do is just kind of is probably put it down into words Right, whatever you're feeling. That's what I liked about it, though. It, it was like, I think what you're writing is just like basically feelings, and that's why I said it was kind of abstract. Something it was something you could feel. Although you do talk about some of your dreams in there too.
1: Yeah, I don't interpret them. I leave it up to the readers. But it all comes into place. So <laughs> now, if anyone starts psychoanalyzing me later and goes, "Hey, blah blah blah," I'd be like, "Oh damn, you're good."
0: <laughs> do you have people trying to psychoanalyze you and stuff?
1: Not yet, no. no, but I'm hoping if I ever get maybe popular enough, maybe, just maybe it'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Hopefully not in a negative way, but I do create the space where it's like, you know, it's a mystery, it's a puzzle, what's going on here kind of thing and leave it up to anyone who may be curious or at least reflect on their own, so. And I think for the most part, um, it kind of stirs the readers in their own humanity because it it's not preachy and it's relatable and we all kind of shared the same human core but
0: i thought it was brave that you put yourself out there like that honestly yeah, i'm not saying brave. that because you're here but i'm just saying i just remember reading it. like yeah, oh, that's a really like mm-hmm. profound way to say it and really like brave to just put that out there and just be like like even yeah. doing this i had a lot of trouble starting this it, it took me so long to start this it, it, part of that is getting over the fear of being judged
1: it is i was uh already into like the mental health lane a bit but i wrote the book first Mm-hmm. So by the time I got in the mental health lane I was starting my second manuscript, which my third one's done. I just my uh, I don't have a formatter right now. So I got two books here that are literally lingering, but they're on the website for free, so and they're just individual blogs. So That's it's all there. But at one point when I published the book was actually published and it was out, I started to kind of freak out a tad bit internally and I was like, Oh my god, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> and I was I had to work through the insecurities of it. And I was like, Chelsea, we're sharing the journey, the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be right it just has to show the evolution of it and that was kind of my point was to show the evolution of me as a human leading into this internal consciousness of myself on a deep level and representing that through like creative expression which
0: yeah well i I mean that's something i think we all have to get over right is that that idea of being judged and the external forces, you know, that, that when we talk about inner child stuff, like that's such a big part of that, right? I mean, many times a parent corrects you, like, don't, don't embarrass me, don't do this, don't do that. It's <laughs> like, which I'm not saying sometimes you shouldn't because, like, there is a decorum in society. like You do have certain rules you have to live by. I do tell my son that sometimes. I'm like, like, listen, because he, he's like, he'll be like, I don't understand. Why I got to change my shirt today? And I'm like, because it's <laughs> dirty. He's like, who cares? And I'm like, listen, there's just a certain set of rules that you do have to live by. It's just like I'm very glad that you're your own individual, but but you do have to learn how to be your own individual within you know this framework. He just looks yeah. At like yeah, whatever. He's
1: like the person next to you cares. Yeah, <laughs> they can smell it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes, something like that, so.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. It's true. Um, <laughs> I've I've often thought of that because, like, I've realized I'm a little too transparent. And, <laughs> like, when I go in public, I'm not intentionally trying to be rude or inconsiderate of people. But sometimes I'm with someone who is, like very extra paranoid of coming off rude or offending people to where they're like oh, walking like, man, around okay. all these bad minds about you know and I'm like god I don't want to have to sit here and like micromanage every move I do because at the end of the day you know like I'm not I'm not a rude person I'm just existing as me and if me you know grabbing water at an inappropriate time you know like what why you know I'm just like yeah, I think After people while, I don't appreciate want to feel like that. Though, on.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think people appreciate that though. I mean, as long I think you could tell when somebody's rude because they're a dick. A, yeah, like a <laughs> shitty person. <laughs> um, it's a little different than somebody who just comes. I don't know. It's sometimes to me it's endearing if somebody like even like low key. Like, I'm like, wow, that was kind of a low key insult. I laugh at it, but you know. <laughs> I was I was always that way like I kind of learned as I got older to be a little less about that but you know we were always I was always very in tune with emotions as a kid and I was emotional as a kid but I was always in tune with other people's emotions um but like to the point where it was it was ridiculous like I I was always good at reading people cuz I could see You know, I could see certain things if they're, if they were uncomfortable in this situation, how they shrugged their shoulders at something or did this, but you're right. It's like (laughs) talking to the therapist and it was like, it was unbelievable to me that you would have a conversation with somebody and after you said something, you wouldn't think of five things they might say back to you and the response you should have been. He's like, that is a lot of energy, you know, that, like to spend, like to expend on on some I'm like, yeah, I guess. I just didn't know people didn't do that. I'm right. like, and then it, it blows my mind because like if they're not following the script at all, if they don't say one of the five things I wanted them to say. So now I have no you. answer.
1: You're like, uh, you weren't supposed to say that. Yeah, like,
0: <laughs> you didn't get the script. I mean, I, I gave you five different ways to say it.
1: <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. it's fun being human
0: really it really is it is yeah <laughs> it is when you think about it well i'm gonna let you talk a little bit about yourself here and maybe tell us about where they can find you about your book and i'm gonna apologize because i feel like i didn't do a good job of talking about dreams that much but i thought it was still i thought it was fun no this
1: is a good conversation i've been doing a lot of podcasts so i'm so if you want to watch any dreams, there's other things out there too. But this yep. is, I love having just good conversation like this because it really shows, you know, where you're coming from and all the core. So you can find me at com. I've got like email on there, all of my dream analysis and creative writings. My book is Living Life Metaphorically, A Journey to Waking Up. It's the first one, which is the only one out right now. And you can find out on Amazon and all my social media links and everything like that are on my website so I just say my website is its own wormhole of information a tad bit. if you care to explore it's all there
0: definitely explore it. and thank you again for coming on and if you, you want to come back maybe I'll actually ask you more dream questions than I did this time <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming yeah I loved it I'm glad we connected so. yeah me too people on their way to work Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jay Burke Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcasts or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, But I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon.